this podcast episode is brought to you by the desired travel blogging masterclass if you're struggling with how to start and design your blog how to position your business online how to create and implement a unique content strategy or how to sustainably grow your blog to a 5,000 to 10,000 monthly blog audience then you should head over to masterclass.thefisayo.com that is t-h-e-f-i-s-a-y-o.com to enroll for the starter blogging course now this course has been supported by the british council and it was created by the award-winning travel blogger Defisayo to help you start your blog position your business online and stay winning to get a 20 dollar discount use the code the big juma 20 the big juma 20 cheers you know what i'm pretty excited about this episode because to think that i was able to get in to speak to us on this podcast thinking back and reflecting on the steps i took i am really amazed at myself and that is why this particular podcast is called the Big Dreamers Podcast because I only just, you know, aspired that, oh, I will be able to listen to him and get my audience to listen to him as well. And yeah, we made it happen. I'm super excited. So as you may know, he is a business mongol and he is just 29 years old. And that is what amazes me as to how much he has been able to accomplish in his 29 years on earth. So stay tuned, enjoy, and I want to say thank you to the listeners that suggested that I bring him on board, and I'm happy that I took that step, and I'm also thankful that he said yes to this podcast. Now, trust me, you're not ready for the inspiration he's ready to give. If you know you're a business person or you aspire to grow businesses like he has, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Big Dreamers podcast. I am your host, Defisayo an award-winning travel blogger, a tourism promoter and strategist, and the founder of TrapCP. This is a safe commute created to empower big dreamers to dream bigger through the inspiring stories and life experiences of top influencers, industry leaders, and entrepreneurs. The theme for this season is empowerment. So good afternoon. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. (laughs) <laughs> I'm super, super excited that you were able to make our time to join us today. So for everyone listening, I am joined today by someone who would refer to as a serial entrepreneur. Um, his vision and passion really inspires me. And I'm happy that I was able to bring him up on here to inspire you all also. So while doing a little bit more research about you... The world serial entrepreneur actually defines you. I found out that you had or you founded close to five companies, if I'm not wrong, or if not six. Well, founded might be a loose word for a number of those companies. I'd say maybe four I actually founded, and a couple of those other ones I played a founding role, but primarily maybe as an investor as opposed to um, actually building. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Okay, no problem. We will go over them one by one so that we can clarify it for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I'll start to... though. That's probably the six that I've paid. A, a... I said I would love to see the six you pulled up because it's probably okay. more than six that I've played a founding role in. Oh, okay. Okay, so the first is Book Needs. This was one of the first you founded while you were still in school, I assume. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. And then there is Andela. That's the one everybody knows you for. Andela. Oh, before Andela, there was Fora. Fora. Which, then, which actually, funny enough, Fora evolved into Andela because we did the first couple classes at Fora and we took over the team from Fora as well as investors from Fora into Andela. Oh, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then and then there is Flutterwiz. Now, talking of Flutterwiz, what my assumption was before doing my research was that you're still under Flutterwiz, but from no. your LinkedIn and from your Wikipedia, it says you're a former managing director of Flutterwiz. Yeah, I'm no longer the CEO of Flutterwiz, so I have already handed over to management, but I'm still a co-founder. I, I was the first managing director and co-founder of Flutterwiz. Awesome. And then there's Street street capital yeah well so street capital yeah i guess you could say so but street capital is more or less like a family office so it's like i mean you couldn't really call it a commercial venture it's like a family office whose primary responsibility was managing um my own my own assets but i guess you could still call it a company yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah and then and then there's talent city incorporation Fair enough. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually playing a founding role in Town City. So you're right on that one. Okay. Is this a Nigerian company, though? I know because most American companies are incorporated, not Nigerian companies. Are yeah. I mean, so I usually, I think, all my companies, apart from Street Capital, have incorporated in the U.S. and then oh. with subsidiaries. So it's likely to be the same case with Town City once we kick off um, proper operations. And then there is Future Africa, which I've, I've actually not really had much of, but I'm happy that you are here to tell us more about Future Africa. So with yeah. all this said, tell mm-hmm. us more about you from what I did not cover and what you think people should know about you. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, my story is really um, a rather simple simple one, very relatable um, for quite a number of people who might be listening to this podcast. Um Essentially, I, I, I grew up, I was born in Lagos, um, grew up quite a bit in Wari, um, went to boarding school in Abuja, stroke Nasarawa State, and then, um, and then um, went for my university in Canada, University of Waterloo in Canada. That was kind of, quote-unquote, kind of where um, I got to spend time in an entrepreneurial environment. Um, Canada, uh, University of Waterloo in Canada was rather special, I think, because of the kind of education we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to have two years of work experience to graduate from a five-year mm. program. Um, so that made us very independent early on. And the way it worked was every year, it wasn't like something you did at the end, like industrial training. It was like something you did every other term. So every other term, you would leave school, and go work um, for an organization. I, I went for my first term to work for the United Nations. And then uh, when I came back to campus, I got into media. Um, I was a journalist with okay. the school newspaper and I ran it for a while. And then um, after that, that was when I got into entrepreneurship. Um, my friend Pierre um, introduced me to tech um, in 2010. <laughs> Um, at the time, you know, he had gone to Silicon Valley for his cooperative education term. And okay. he was just having a, a, he had a blast there, told me about it. Um, at the same time, 
the social network came out. So I was very excited by tech entrepreneurship particularly. And then in November of that year, we decided to start um, uh, um, BookNetto. And that was my first foray. Um, but I also, you know, on site, both to make revenue for BookNetto and to cover my own costs, I also worked full-time for a number of startups. Um, it's a company called Text Plus, where I worked as a, basically as a customer service rep. There was wow. another company um, I worked for more or less like a, like an intern um, called um, Zambado, <laughs> right? And I did quite a bit of work for a few other startups, just, you know, support, advisory. I was also building mine. So I built um, booknetto.com with a fairly large team, worked on it for three years. It didn't quite work out the way we hoped. Um, mm-hmm. So we ended up selling it to one of our clients. And then I moved back to Nigeria to, to work on Fora. Um, Fora also didn't end up taking off in its initial iteration, but we pivoted into becoming um, a platform for working professionals who wanted specifically finance degrees. They wanted online um, MBAs in finance. So we would help them with everything from arranging their application, getting into the school, and arranging financing to be able to afford the course, uh, mostly for bank employees. So as while I was doing that, um, I basically um, was, I was actually going to make it a marketplace and then um, I reconnected with an old friend, Jeremy Johnson, who had just IPO'd his company to you, which was doing somewhat of the same thing. They they built online courses for Ivy League universities, um, masters specifically. So for people who wanted to learn like nursing or have an MBA from like top uh, Ivy League type university, they would go to their platform and do it. Anyway, um, we I did that with them. Um, Jeremy, um, uh, Jeremy and I decided to start Andela. Um, after that, um, initially I was to do quite a bit of the work, but over time I quickly realized that uh, I needed Jeremy to be full time as well, and so he came in as CEO. And obviously, the rest is history. Um, after I did Andela, for for those of you who don't know what Andela is, Andela basically was a talent accelerator would identify exceptionally talented young people in Nigeria and other African countries, train them to become world-class developers and um, essentially match them to global technology companies while we manage them to do their work from Nigeria. Um, so did that for about three years after founding, um, then went um, and helped Benga um, Abuola and Adeleke Adekoya to set up... Um, Flutterwave as the founding CEO, um, you know, made sure they raised quite a bit of money. Uh, 2018, I had my baby, um, oh. so I left work, um, and uh, um, I left work and took a year off. So I've been, I think, from October 2018 to about October 2019. I just, I was just bombing, um, and then in 2019. You know, uh, Street Capital was always my family office. So it just managed my private affairs. I didn't really have customers for Street Capital. I did a little bit of consulting for it, but I wasn't really like a business business. But ultimately, we had this vision for 
and we saw a real need while I was and while I was bombing around. I was angel investing in companies, and I saw that there was a big need for more capital at the early stage level. Mm-hmm. So what I realized was, even though the rates of um, funding was growing in Nigeria specifically, um, I think we went from pretty much like fifty million dollars to three hundred million dollars plus over four years the proportion that was going to seed investments was shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I decided that that was not a very good thing and um, basically built uh, helped build Future Africa to um, basically become a platform for innovators and investors that are um, leveraging technology and innovation to turn Africa's biggest challenges into global business opportunities. So that's the work that I do today with a team of uh, seven people all o- all over the world, really. That is, I don't know, amazing because it took you seven minutes to explain who you are. Like that, that just says a lot. <laughs> that's number one. Number two, I would commend your processes that you developed now at Andela in terms of your recruitment process. I could like I can attest that from people I know that you know were part of the processes. I can attest that it was it was what was. And I want to ask, how old were you when you started the journey, your entrepreneurship journey? Because you're just 29. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is inspiring. You've achieved all this in just 29 years on earth. So what age were you when you started this? Well, I started when I was uh, 19 um, in, in entrepreneurship. I was in my third year, actually second year really of university, that really second year third year of university i just started the the the, the fall of my junior year of university when i uh, got interested in, in entrepreneurship so i was roughly i think i was about um at the time i was about 19 when i incorporated my first proper business now was that like for you i would assume that you had a little mentor around you because you already said that they, you had an angry environment at the university of Waterloo, right so you have people yeah yeah it was a really good environment um we had mentors i mean they weren't i wouldn't say like we didn't have a mentor relationship <laughs> i think a better way to put it would be we had good programs and i was mm-hmm. lucky enough to have a really good friend who kind of introduced me to this world Pierre Iris. So I, um, I I could consider him my mentor, but it was more of a peer mentor. It wasn't like some mm-hmm. big shots. Uh, I mean, we he he worked for a guy called Joe Lonsdale, who is a big shot. <laughs> okay. um, and we did get to meet him on a number of occasions. So that was a good thing. But um, but I think for the most part, it was mostly him um, kind of showing me the ropes as a peer mentor. Um, and the nature of the Velocity program was that it was like our school, so just to give you some context, right? University of Waterloo's most prominent grad is a, guy, is a guy you might not know called Mike Lazaridis, who was the inventor of the BlackBerry. That BlackBerry that everybody used to use. Yes, yes. And he never actually graduated from school. <laughs> he was a dropout. Not surprising. Oh, not surprising. Uh, so the school has a healthy respect for dropouts. That's why it has the largest free incubator in the world. <laughs> so basically, what they were just trying to encourage us to do was they were trying to keep us engaged in school. 
so that we could finish our program rather than dropouts. So that that's the mindset of the school. So the, because of that, they had a lot of programming. They brought a lot of very influential people to come speak to us. But a lot of the mentoring was peer mentoring. So we just understanding what each other is doing, being inspired by each other's success and stuff like that. Mm, thank you. So would you say now that Future Africa's current company or your most recent company is has a bit of um, street capital services in it? Oh, yeah. I mean, so so the way we're now structured, um, I mean, this is kind of getting into super specifics, but so basically Street Capital is no longer just my management, my, my, my family office as it was before, right? It's now part of the Future Africa group. So we actually changed ownership and Future Africa manages my assets as well as a bunch of other people because there's two sides to Future Africa's business. On the one hand, it works with investors um basically help them deploy capital to innovators and get a return so it's like a proper wealth management business if you get what i'm trying to say um, we allocate capital for a lot of high net worths um but obviously um i'm not a high net worth but primarily you know i have to also put my assets there <laughs> so they manage all my money um but then the other side of the equation if we work with entrepreneurs or who we like to call innovators um, that are solving really difficult problems and try and invest in them and support their work. I think of you, and the first thing that comes to mind is is a top is a techpreneur and a finance specialist. Uh-huh. But that is just my perception. What would you say? Your well, I mean, so I think for me, it's it's actually both. Um, if you I'm very good with tech um, and the 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 business of technology. So I'm not I'm not a developer. <laughs> I don't build anything personally. I mean. But in terms of understanding how these things are built, managing the teams, putting people together, mm-hmm. that's basically my strength, right? Um, you know, there's a perception that you have to be like a software developer. But I, I think if you look at most of the, the really, really good uh, um, tech, tech entrepreneurs, right? They're grounded in products and grounded in business. Um, and they work very, very well with engineers, but they're not always engineers themselves. So, you know, um, Jeff Bezos um, is really a finance guy. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? Has a clear understanding of the business side of technology, but he's not an engineer. Mark, you could say, is an engineer to some extent, but in reality, he's just a product guy with a psychology degree, um, very grounded in the business. Um, I know about code, but he's not an engineer. Uh, we look at at, at um, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs. He's also not an engineer. Mm-hmm. Understands how technology works, like I do, right. um, uh, and understands the business side of technology and the product side of technology. But he's not an he's not an engineer. So I'm more the kind of person who plays that mm-hmm. role of bringing the perspectives of both the business and the end customer together. And then works really well with engineers to make the vision come to life. So I'm still going to go back to the fact that I am truly inspired by Ray. And I want to know what, what part of your journey do you think brought you to the position that you are now? Is it your experience at Waterloo University? Was it your experience at Warriors? Or was yeah. it your experience at um, I'll say it's a combination, okay, right? Low, I, I think, low, you know, really, you can't really point to one thing. Low. 
um, but they definitely like like with anything, right? Every journey has inflection points, like make or break moments. Um, so I think for me, you know, um, I had a number of inflection points. Um, I think the, the earliest inflection points I had was December 10, 2005, um, when um, a bunch of my schoolmates died in a plane crash in Sosoliso 95. Um, I think that was the first time I really consciously grokked yeah. that uh, life is a privilege to live. You know, there's a lot of things you take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot more young people who were much smarter than me um, who deserved, perhaps you could say, deserved life more than I did, mm-hmm. um, who who were, um, who were passed away in that crash. And I think that was the first time I really, really understood, wow, like this whole life is not a joke. You really have to make it work. Um, and a, a, a second inflection point was you know, um, getting, going to Canada. It wasn't actually the original plan. <laughs> my plan was to go to school in Nigeria and everything. But my father, um, even though his original plan was to send us to school in Nigeria, the prep school that my brother was going to give us a deal, offered a 25% discount <laughs> um, basically to my father. And, you know, Nigerian parents, they can't give up any discounts. So, so my father took that discount. So I actually had to, I finished my program in, in like 10 months um, while my brother <laughs> had the benefit of like a longer period, right? Um, I think I got there actually less than 10 months. Like in, I finished my program in five months actually. And then I just had three months because I went there in January and I was yeah. in university in in uh, in August. Um, so I had, <laughs> by September I had to resume. So I, I got there January 2008. Oh, By September, I was in school. So that was a big inflection point for me because, you know, those opp- that opportunity wasn't something I had planned for. So I realized I had to take the most advantage of it. Um, another huge inflection point, I think, was during my experience at Velocity. Um, I think there was one particular incident that really, really shaped me um, beyond, you know, working with Pierre and meeting Pierre and all that stuff. The one experience that really shaped me was um, I was working at Velocity on my startup. Um, there were these guys who were working right beside me. They were called Buffer Box at the time. They were also like us, just recently graduated students working on their startup. Their startup was kind of like a, it's something that we should still do in Nigeria, basically like automatic mail delivery. So you, you basically you know, have like a bunch of mailboxes that are powered by text messages. Um, they'll send you a text message. You go there, you enter your code, you get your mail, right? It was a really, pretty cool startup. One day, um, I came to the office really early in the morning, like I always do, and I was told I couldn't go into the office. Um, and I was like, why? Like, you know, <laughs> and um, basically I got told that, um, oh, that, you know, that morning they just announced that Google had bought that company. And these guys were like literally right beside me. Um, they bought the company for $3 million dollars. Um, so that day I got wow. the extra ginger. I was like, these wow. people don't have two heads. Someone I used to go and eat uh, noodles yeah. in Vietnam restaurants. These beat food together. So <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not as if these people are doing jazz or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that gave me some extra determination. I was like, you know, whatever they're doing, I can do as well. I just have mm-hmm. to think carefully about what what mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also a big, big, huge one for me. 
uh, meaning Jeremy was a huge inflection. Yeah, I mean, to be very honest, you know, um, there, there were other inflection points. Um, but I think ultimately for me, um, every inflection point has just kind of served the same purpose of kind of confirming that I'm in the right direction overall and shaping my approach to business. And I think the biggest lesson I think um, that, that, that has come through all these inflection points is just the general idea that um, even as business people, we we are expected to live um, and build businesses that have purpose and that have mission mm-hmm. in money. Right. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing I've learned. Um, every inflection point has kind of pushed me in that direction where it's about mm-hmm. really um, identifying with your God-given purpose, even as a business person, and living that purpose, mm-hmm. um, not just being about dollars and cents and money and all that, right? So I think that's ultimately where, where, where you know, God has been leading me all this while. So this makes me think, I was thinking to myself, you've accomplished a lot in 29 years, but I'm sure with the kind of exposure you have and with the people you surround yourself with, you would not think that is an accomplishment because, I mean, you just told me some people sold their company to their... Yeah, I mean, I'm, sure they I'm a small boy. You. Yeah, so I'm a very small <laughs> boy in this business. Huh? I'm a very tiny, tiny person. I mean... But what we my... bring in Nigerian context, you are a light. Do you understand? People, you have accomplished a lot that people are yet to even dream of. And that is why you inspire. Do you understand? I understand. I understand. I'm grateful for that. I mean, ultimately, all the glory belongs to God there. Um, but, you know, I, the way I look at it is that it's never enough, right? For me, um, as far as I see it, my own personal mission is... Right. Um, prosperity and purpose is within everyone's reach, right? So for me, you know, until we can do that, you know, my work hasn't stopped. So it's just, I think, you know, I wouldn't, you know, when I, when I left active employment last year, um, in order to go and um, just um, be with my family, I actually really? thought I was just going to retire from there. Just look for, yeah, I, I, I left the country. Um, I went to San Francisco. Um, I was living there for a year. It was even before COVID, I decided to come back to Nigeria. All right. I know you enjoyed this podcast, right? But I thought to take a quick break to apologize in advance for the audio disconnect you might be listening to soon. We had a few technical issues and network problems while recording this podcast. So while he spoke, it might sound like I was speaking at the same time. But it wasn't so while we were recording, but it appears to be so while we were editing the podcast and listening to it again. So once again, I apologize in advance and I hope you understand. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I, 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 um, but that, the plan originally was for me to stay back in San Francisco. But I think as I thought more and more and more about it, I realized that, look, that's, you know, some people actually do get to retire. Yeah, I mean. I'm not saying that I'm ritual, but I could conveniently on the back of just consulting revenue and residuals from stock I already right. own, I could have just chilled, you know? And, <laughs> and after 10 years of backbreaking work, mm-hmm. um, I felt I deserved it. But 
you see, when 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 you have purpose in life, you know, sometimes it's not just a function of um, your own personal comforts. You have to actually go out of your own comfort zone and keep pushing um, so that society can adopt um, the vision of the future that you've set out for it. I love that. And so that's and the journey I'm on now. My second question was going to be that what is your goal? And you just said it because I was thinking to myself, he wants to, of course, build the um you have a passion for nigeria both nigeria not just nigeria every country in africa and yeah you you know you the part. yeah but specifically nigeria, nigeria. because <laughs> I, I'm not... yeah yeah i mean i'm also i don't have passion for other countries in africa but i think that in nigeria that is um okay. that is the leading light that it should be um really puts africa and the rest of the black okay. race in fantastic stead you know, look at what happened with mm-hmm. uh, with um, Africa Development Bank, right? It's one of the rare occasions of Nigerian leadership that was on display for the world. They were there. They wanted to bully their way. The Americans wanted to bully their way into controlling mm-hmm. an African institution. Mm-hmm. And Nigeria stood its ground because it had the resources and the pride to be able to do so. Imagine if that was the case in in, in every other facet of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Would would Americans be able to do what they're doing to black Americans if a strong Nigeria mm-hmm. is saying, guys, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So that's how I see it. You know, it's really about, and that's the, the challenge for our generation. I think it's just articulating that understanding that I think for our generation of Nigerians in particular, the long-term fate of the Black race rests on our ability to turn our country around. And I don't think that's just going to be... Uh, I keep saying it that I believe... <laughs> I, I tell young entrepreneurs, I said, you know, and it's actually a quote from Tim Shagaya. Um, he said, we believe in you more than we believe in the politicians. And actually, that's how I see it. You know, I, I, I have far more belief in entrepreneurs to fix the state of our country than I do in politicians. I know you most of your companies are incorporated in America, but you also work in Nigeria. How is it like now that you have foreign exposure and you have um, Nigerian experience, so compare and contrast. I'm talking now based on your last statement. (laughs) Most entrepreneurs in Nigeria are forced to deal with business in Nigeria. So with your experience as a multinational entrepreneur, what's is your experience and what do you think? <laughs> well, most of my successful businesses have been in Nigeria. So I <laughs> I don't know if I'm a multinational entrepreneur. Uh, but I'll say, you know, I'll say, you know, doing business in Nigeria is incredibly tasking. At the same time, incredibly rewarding if you get it right. And the key to getting it right is mm. to solve very difficult problems fearless enough to solve very difficult problems. Mm-hmm. If you're the kind of person who likes to solve easy problems, Nigeria will embarrass you, <laughs> right? Um, so it's very important that you're the kind of person who enjoys solving difficult problems. And you also learn how to lead with, I don't even know how to say, I, I don't think it's emotion that's the right word, but really lead with a lot of emotional intelligence, right? Um, and relate with people um, with a lot of emotional intelligence. It's still a society that primarily thrives right. on institutions that are built with relationships. Uh, so it's very important. However, you have to balance that with also mm-hmm. being a very principled person. 
if you want to succeed over the long term and do it the right way. Um, so there are other ways to do it too. Don't get me wrong, but that's the way that has worked for me. Is one really taking after very big problems that people will say, "Ah, you are mad <laughs> for trying to solve that problem the way you're trying to do so." Right. Um, number two, um, really building great relationships above and below um, with peers and with seniors and with juniors, um, being kind, you know, um, being the kind of person that people consider right. as the person that acts with integrity. Um, and then most importantly, being very principled, right? Those are the real keys in my experience um, to doing business properly in Nigeria. Abroad, there's a system of laws that restrains you from doing crazy stuff. In Nigeria, there isn't. Um, and in fact, the reality is that doing the right thing in Nigeria is a losing choice most of the time, <laughs> unfortunately. But one thing I will tell you is that doing the right thing always bears long-term benefits in the end. That's one thing I've learned about doing business in Nigeria. So now that you say this... Um you have led a number of companies you have um, also been a good role model to people and you mentioned you just quoted one of i would assume one of your mentors or the books you have read so what are the people that guide you and that you look up to um you have been looking up to the past yeah i mean i love something my as soon as my big brother, I really look up to him for a lot of stuff. I, I mean, um, I would say, you know, for me, I look up to, because Nigeria is a very interesting place, right? Like, <laughs> your, your heroes today can mm. be villains tomorrow. But okay. but I try to learn from everybody. I'm very honest with you. I try to learn from everybody. I'm not the kind of person who is um, very stuck on personalities. Um, but I try to learn from everybody. Are there people that would I say are much higher in the totem pole than others? Absolutely. I mean, like everybody else, right? Um, but I kind of take everybody, everybody's wisdom um, through a filter of my own. And also, I'll say the only person I follow implicitly is yeah. Jesus, <laughs> right? Uh, but everybody else is subject to a filter. But I have good mentors. I mean, people that I would say I, I admire especially for their principle. I'm, I'm more drawn to leaders with principle than I am to successful mm -hmm. people, especially in Nigeria. Um, so people like Bosun Tijani, people like Obi Ezekwesi, Dr. Obi Ezekwesi, people like Christopher Kola. Um, these are the kind of people that I see and I'm like, these are the kind of people I want to be regarded yes, as. You understand what I'm saying? Because they make very they take very difficult stances on principle um, that society doesn't necessarily reward, but God definitely sees and rewards. And so those are the people that inspire mm. me. The I most. was going to see if I could dive a little bit on those principles, but let me continue with the other question. Now, when I say principles, I know I don't know. I'm sure you would know Ibuku Awoshika. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know her. Yes, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I've listened to yeah. her a lot, and I would say she's one of the people that you know really inspire me in terms of principle, as you just said. And I know she explained that story of how difficult it was, you know, taking a stance on two things, major things in her life. One, one of which was you know not sleeping with a man to get a business deal. The second, which was not taking bribe. 
and this is what has been guiding her. Um, and now she look, she's now been awarded with mm-hmm. accolades, been a chairman, yeah, been a, you know, basically now a time for reward has come. Are there any principles that your principles are like, or mm-hmm. what would you say guide your you know your business principles? Um, I mean, I obviously will have slightly different principles from her because there are certain challenges as a man I don't yes. necessarily face. You know what I mean? Um, but I think for me, it's um, number one, maintaining my my own independence of thoughts, not doing anything, okay. not being a psychophant. Um, so that's one thing that people who deal with me know. Um, I will just tell you the truth. <laughs> and nothing okay. but the truth, no matter how painful it is. Um I'm not um, a psychophant. I just, I deal on the basis of my principle. Um, I would say another thing I'm, I'm particular about is um, mm-hmm. working for the public good. So um, working beyond just my own private profits or my own private interest, but trying to figure out how whatever I am doing mm-hmm. has a exactly. public interest benefit to it. Where, yeah. uh, Please go ahead. Um, so those are, those are yeah yeah and then I think the I'll say the the the, the last thing um, in my opinion is is putting God first in whatever it is that I'm doing um, if it's not something if it's not a business that I feel will glorify God um, I'm I find it very difficult <laughs> I struggle with uh, with participating, let me put it that way. So there's certain kinds of businesses that I mm-hmm. I actually I actually actively stay away from yeah, to the extent that I can. And not that you need this, but I really commend you for all like for those three principles. The, the two that I that really stand out to me are number one, prioritizing God, making God first, and basing your decisions on anything that pleases God. And the second one is the impact you're basically running to impact lives to, as you mentioned help entrepreneurs in Nigeria. And my goal as a as an entrepreneur myself is to see Nigeria grow economically. And I do this in the tourism space. Now, now I want to ask, uh, yeah. you founded and, you know, handed over your companies over the last 10 years to different, um, will I say, colleagues that you can trust. What would you say you achieved your goal before handing them over, before saying, okay, it's time for me to let go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I see every company as an assignment. <laughs> I don't see them as uh, extensions of myself. Um, it's just okay. something God has given you to do for now. Um, and I also think that it's also a mindset that institutionalizes the company. So, you know, none of my companies are explicitly tied to me or to my uh continued existence if you get my point in the way that yeah. the average nigerian company is tied to the founder interesting how did you build that i don't know if you get my point and i make i said that is interesting how did you build that i'm sorry i know that for i know that you already have an exposed mind but how were you able to establish that structure i think um i think a lot of it is even going into things with that mindset that look i'm not here Mm. in four years maximum i'm out uh going to with that mindset you cannot be bribed (laughs) you know what i mean you cannot be compelled you know everybody knows even ahead of time that look oh this is how this guy operates Mm. 
So don't yes, even I try do. it. I don't know if you get my point. So I tend to go with that mindset. Then also I build for that mindset. So the first thing is, you know, in picking my co-founders, I'm looking for great successors um, for my for, for the business. Um, I'm also looking for institutional investors that can bring that level of governance mm. and continuity to the business. Schooling, like that sounds like so you, know, are... that you need to learn. Does it? You, it sounds easy saying it, but from someone that has been trying to get a good co-founder for for you for a number of months now, it hasn't been easy. So how easy was it for you to get a good co-founder yeah. and then even the funding investors? It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, you have to be. You will look foolish. <laughs> You will look foolish and it might even seem overtly, would I say, um, generous in the beginning. Because what happens with a lot of people in my experience, when I talk to a lot mm -hmm. of people say they have trouble finding co-founders and so on, is that a lot of people are not interested mm -hmm. in true partnership. You get what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. I mean, for me, with Andela, for obvious reasons, um, when we started as Fora, I had about 80% okay. of the shares or something like that. By the time we start, we became Mandela, I'd given wow. away shares, I was holding just 10%. But 10% today is probably three times what the entire company was worth okay. when I was owning 80%. Yes, I do. do you understand what I'm trying to say? At Flutter Wave, um, you know, there were people who were there before me and they were the ones who were doing the work. And so I just, I, in fact, I took a very, very small um, stake in Flutterwave because I looked at it as more or less or mm -hmm. as supporting um, local founders with the experience and experience I have. But still, that stake is very, very valuable. Okay. Right? <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? So I find that, you know, finding partners is really a function of sacrifice. My mentor used to tell me that the way he's seen billion-dollar companies um, form, the difference between a billion-dollar company and a million-dollar company is that um, a billion-dollar company is founded by a group of entrepreneurs who individually could have built a million-dollar company but decided mm -hmm. to come together. You get what I'm trying to say, to build a billion dollars. Yeah. And I shared the same thing. Yeah, I was basically Sorry, what that you... sounds awesome. Yeah, like, makes sense. So I think if you seek true partnership, you'll be okay. I think the reason why a lot of people struggle is because mm. they're not really looking for a true partnership. You know, they're looking for subservient to them or, you know, Things so like what that. were the practical steps you took? Step one, I went uh, I went to my social network from school. Step two, I went on LinkedIn. <laughs> no, I didn't. So when I was looking for co-founders for my business, right, what I tried to do was I tried to find people who were the best in their field and who shared a similar passion for the problem I was trying to solve. It's still my process I mean, if I find somebody who is world-class, yeah. do you get what I'm trying to say? At what they do, um, they have proven competence in what they do, and they have a hunger. you get what I'm trying to say for the field of endeavor? Okay. And I bring them on. 
you know. Um, so that that's really, and then they've shown commitments. You get what I'm saying okay. to the business. I bring them up. I think those are. Okay. I tend um, to look and at then there's another thing to sell your vision to them. But yes, I understand. Thank you so much for that. Now I want to ask you a personal question. This is when I say personal question, uh, it's just in relation to um to business. So me, this is me asking for advice. So I'm currently in the tourism space, and I've yeah. I you know have this vision that yeah, I absolutely. basically have the vision that if all the tourism services and tools and resources we have in Nigeria will be well well honest, we can our GDP can be coming from tourism. 70% of our GDP can basically be aligned to tourism. There's... Yeah, so I have I, I, I believe that. Yeah. And one of not study tourism is good to start with. I'm a human resource manage, manager. In fact, I'm certified and everything, but having learned and research uh, and seen the way Nigeria is and thinking of the best way to develop it, I said this is the way to go. And then basically where I'm getting to is I want to, I have this mindset that once I'm in something, I want to grow in it and see it through. But looking at your own journey, you don't just focus on one thing. You seem to be able to, you know, spread your wings across different industries. How, what the, how have you been able to do that effectively, number one? And what is your advice to someone like me that is focused on just making a mark in this industry alone? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think if you really look at what my, the journey I've been on, right? I think it's really yeah. primarily about creating jobs for me. So I didn't just do, I didn't do flutter with, um, even though flutter is not directly creating jobs. I did flutter with because I knew that if people were able to accept foreign payments, right? Or if global, um, um, Global businesses like Uber were able to accept local payments. Mm -hmm. They would be more confident about creating yes. jobs locally. You get what I'm trying to say. Um, so that's why that's why I, I built uh, Flutterwave. But really, the, the the essential theme is about how do you create mm -hmm. jobs? How do you connect people to economic yes, do. opportunity? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So I think it's important to pick a theme. You know what I mean, oh. and think about different aspects of that value chain in order to to, to build now mm -hmm. with tourism tourism is very big right and you have to pick where you want to play i don't know if you understand what i'm trying to say you can't do everything end to end mm -hmm. you have to pick where you want to play and then collaborate with others who share your mm -hmm. vision in order to build an yes. ecosystem you understand what i'm trying to say that can benefit not just you, but your entire industry, right? Now, what you have to make a decision, what part of the game am I going to play in? You might find yourself playing in multiple right. different areas in the earliest days, right? As you're still trying to gain traction. But having you no know, understanding where your place in the chain is, right, um, is very, Thank very you. critical. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. So... I think it's really about picking a spot and understanding what it will take to to um, do well, um, and then and then um, and then really a big chunk of the of the work 
would then be about optimizing um, whatever it is that you decide, whatever part of the value chain you've decided um, to, well, to build to build out. To I don't know if this makes sense right now, as an approach. Right now, our company, we are focused on the on marketing destinations mm. and on the long run, our, uh, our um, goal for the next five years is to have 5,000 people into paid employment. That is that is what the breakdown is one of our goals, anyways. So I'm just mm -hmm. trying to clarify. When now that you say we are supposed to choose a particular value, we have chosen uh, marketing destinations in Africa, starting with Nigeria, of course, to make Africa the number one tourist destination in the world. But like, there's a whole, as we have, you know, drafted out the whole, um, what's the word now, strategy in terms of how we want to make it work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're on the right path. Um, you might want to find partners that can also help with operating these facilities so that um, your customers have the best kind of experience no, and they sure. come back. You know what I mean? Just making it easier. Um, but so beyond that, you know, I think it makes perfect sense. Focus on education. And I listened to a lot of your videos and you seem very passionate about education. What what are the things you're currently doing in that area and what's uh, the future for that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, I mean, education is particularly um, important to me. Um, that and healthcare where, you know, the majority of our fund invests today. Um, there's a number of interesting things going on in the education space especially when it comes to uh, mm -hmm. what I call non-linear learning models, right? So from videos, the children are learning how to do specific experiments. I, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. So I, I you know, so, so my own approach really, when it comes to um, when it comes to these, 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 um, to, to, to managing these things, right, is um, you, you, you have to build clear outcomes, measurements for clear outcomes. You get what I'm trying to say? Um, that help you understand where you're going. So you've said one of them, for example, earlier you mentioned that you see tourism producing 70% right. of Nigeria's GDP, right? So, but the question is, how much of the GDP does it provide today? Then you break it down ac across all the locations you offer. Yes. How much in GDP do they contribute? Do you understand what I'm saying? What practical things are travelers looking for in order to increase their, their spending yes. in travel locations? Yes. Do you get how, how I'm thinking about it now, Desire? So by the time you do that breakdown work, before you know it, you would already have a, a plan a self-generated plan that you can then take and leverage yes. to build yes, out. So I don't know if, if so that makes sense. So my question earlier was, what, what um, step are you and your company taking right now in the area of education? I'm just trying to go back to you to understand. Okay. Yeah, okay. So so in the area of education specifically, um, what we've focused on, we've um, we focused on non-linear education outcomes. So, for example, um, we have um, a, a portfolio company called STEM Cafe. Um, STEM Cafe basically helps kids to be able to do 
um, non-linear learning after outside of school. Um, with um, they use um, um, they use like video instructional videos um, to teach them simple experiments that can be done with home home utensils, right? And get kids interested in science yes. and robotics very very early. Um, and we have centers across Africa, right? Primarily in Lagos and across Africa. So these are the kind of um, these are these are the kind of efforts we have in education. We spend quite a bit of um, time on education to employment initiatives, like Andela, um, which is still a portfolio company. But there are other companies as well that are providing training to people, um, and we also uh, spend time. Yes, it does. Thinking and also, working also, with them as well. Also, does that make sense? rounding up, and I wanted to mention that one of the reasons why we also um, thought you'd be a perfect fit for this particular season is our listener recommended that ah we should make sure we get um to this podcast. They want to listen to you. They want to learn from you. And I asked, what question yeah. would you want him to answer? And yeah. she sent me a number of questions. I'm just going to read out two. I'm just going to read out two. And okay. number one, okay. she said Fantastic. I want to learn how, how to get along with friends turned co-founders. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, you know, when it comes to getting along with friends um some co-founders, the most important thing is to understand your accountability framework for the business as different from the friendship. The friendship, so that one person doesn't end up carrying the work okay. without appropriate remuneration, right? Um, and and you just have to design your founder agreement in such a way that it's easy for anybody to divorce. You understand if they don't feel the same level of commitment to the company without it being uh, contentious. Um, the best tool for doing this is what I call a vesting agreement. So both parties don't get their equity upfront. They get their equity subject to certain terms, particularly that are tied to certain outcomes or tied to the length of time mm. the person is committed does. to the company. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm listening. So if you say, yeah, so if you if you basically put together something, right, um, like you put together a business, one person is responsible for finding customers, the other person is responsible for building. If you're responsible for finding customers and you don't find the customers, right, you don't get your equity. Yes, I do. I don't know if you get my point. Very simple. Somebody else finds the customers, that person gets that equity portion. Very simple. deliverable based. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. Partnership. Okay. Exactly. And the other exactly. question she sent borders around you exactly. Andela. She wants to know how you felt when you left Andela. Um, there, were a bunch of, there were a bunch of thoughts. I mean, the first thing was, to be very honest with mm. you, I left Andela because I heard from God. <laughs> and he was very clear. Um, saying, you know, I had to leave at that time because he had other things for me to do, i.e. Flutterwave. So I left Andela to go build out Flutterwave. Um, but also, there were other signs. Um, I the, the team was growing, and my particular expertise 
given that the brand of Andela had been established, was no longer needed per se. Um, mm-hmm. So the team wasn't losing anything from from not having me there. Um, the second thing that that also convinced me um, to move was that um, Andela Andela was very um, was um, was also very focused on um, um, on building out kind of the fellowship. Um, and its skills and talent uh, acquisition pipeline um, beyond just the learning that we were doing, right? The training that we're doing. So there was a need to step aside to allow people that had a better handle on how that process should work to come in and do that. I don't know if that makes sense. So, and I'd, I'd reached my milestones I was going to start another company that was focused on another big problem, like uh, Flutter Wave. So I felt yeah, I was uh, just thinking to myself, it was a good time. I'm like, for you, that that prayer prayer is coming to pass in your life because when something else is coming to an end and that thing is unfolding. So this brings me, this brings me to my next question. Uh, exactly. What advice you have for small business owners and fintech um, SMEs um, in general? yeah i think what i would say is just look beyond profits look beyond profit that's my biggest advice to any business owner look beyond profits think about the service right think about what your business is serving to humanity um and look beyond what you're making the dollars of cents of what you're making how can your business make a difference in society? People who answer this question well and honestly mm-hmm. tend to get outsized outcomes. So I would say this. I'm going to say this as an entrepreneur, um, as a follow-up question. So I started my, my business as a um, to impact lives and to grow businesses also. But when you start with the impact, I'm just going to say this based on what everybody else told me. When you start based on impact and we don't see profit at the beginning, in the first year, in the first two years, most case scenarios is that you get discouraged. And mm-hmm. you start thinking, is this the right path for me? What would you then say to a job loss that I also in that, um, that same circle? Well, well, I'm not I'm not saying that you should not look for profit. That's not what I'm saying. I said look beyond profits. Um, so I think what's the most important thing for you as a business owner is what problem am I really trying to solve, right? And if you are clear about what problem you're trying to solve, you will know where profit should come from. But I think everybody should look beyond profits from the point of view. So I said you have to think beyond profits. I'm not saying don't think about profit, but think beyond profits. And the way to do that, you need to think about what need am I serving and how can I uh, um, increase the impact that I am serving of what I'm doing beyond just what I make in profits? Yes, I do. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because those are the things that give you long-term rewards. Let me use a practical example. We are not the first people to start matching talent to global companies, to be very honest, in Nigeria. Some companies have been doing that with call centers and so on and so forth. But we thought primarily about the training of the individual and the education of the individual, connecting them mm-hmm. to the right people. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. And this made all the difference 
um, mm-hmm. for our business and gave us a lot of goodwill. So it's very important for you, whatever it is that you're doing, to think beyond just profits as you make decisions about your business and what your business right, no is going problem. to do. I'm happy that I was able to ask this question because I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking or having the same experience. So of course, for any other person interested in reaching out to you, where can they find you on social media? Because I tried looking for you on Instagram. We did not find you. Just, just in me. I is the same. It's the same one across all social media. Just at I A B O Y E J I. Same, same thing on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm not very as active as I used to be on these platforms, so you will. I apologize in advance, but I, I try to okay, catch up every now and then. Is it? It comes with the status. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's time, or it's no just worries. time. Thank you once again. There's no time. Do you have anything yeah. you'd like to say? Okay. Thanks a lot. No, not really. No, no. I think I'm, yes, I'm all good. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, all, for I'm glad we're able to. It seems like done. everything okay. um, took um, a huge turn for you when you went to Canada. So for every Nigerian looking to go to Canada, is this your advice to them? <laughs> um, see, I would never say people should not go to Canada. Mm. I never told the story of why I came back, but so <laughs> so I would say go to Canada. Learn what you can, but I'll tell you, Canada is a very, very small economy mm. with very few problems. No. Uh, you're going to find it very right. difficult to live anything mm. other than a normal life in Canada. <laughs> so it depends on what you want out of life. My brothers are still there. Um, I think it's a fantastic mm. country, but they don't have problems, if you get what I'm trying to say. So mm-hmm. If you're the kind of person that likes solving problems, or wants to be a exceptionally successful entrepreneur, uh, Canada can be tricky because good, there's good. a lot of things have been thought through properly. I understand. <laughs> Thank you once again. I appreciate this and God bless you. Oh my, I am super excited. I was able to get in to give us all of that information within this podcast. Like, that is that is the consulting session that you can of course pay for and it's not going to be cheap so thank you to him once again for his time and for his generosity and thank you also for listening if you go to this point um during your listening journey i'm happy for you now i'm looking forward to you implementing oh by the way i know that at the some point while listening to this particular podcast you must have experienced a bit of um audio glitches like i mentioned earlier i apologize um, we experienced network issues, but for you to have gotten to this point, I want to appreciate you and I hope you learned from it. So once again, I'm looking forward to your implementation process. Feel free to take a screen recording of this particular episode and share on Instagram and tag us at the big dreamer underscore at the big dreamer underscore. That way we can also share with our audience and let everyone know what you've learned and we get the word, you know, growing, um, growing and let every other person be inspired as well yes i just want to see people grow and i want a world whereby people don't live um, beneath their potentials we're all on earth for a purpose we need to be able to know that unless that gift that god has put in us and live an impactful life most times 
the only way you can um, you know make use of the fruits that has been deposited in you is if someone brings that to life and how can that be brought to life is through words someone has to say if you say okay, i see this in you if you say oh, this is what you can do most times people around me i have to encourage them and when I, I realize that when i encourage them they do things better you just need someone to believe in you and tell you the right words and hopefully this podcast is bringing to you those right words you need to tap into your gifts to tap into your purpose to tap into that which god has deposited in you so i hope you enjoyed this please feel free to share this podcast like yes you can like um subscribe if you're using an um, apple spotify or whatever you're using to listen to the podcast and yeah share please share with your family and friends let them be um, inspired as well what else yeah i think that's all <laughs> feel free to follow me at, um, on all social media um, channels at the Fisayo. that is t-h-e-f-i-s-o-y-o same thing with my guest please follow him at i-a-b-o-y-e-j-i yes i love you guys thank you so much for listening i'll see you next week stay awesome stay inspired peace